Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. This is always awesome to be able to share with you another story of hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 70 different countries. And it just shows me every time I talk to a new guest that they have a special message that will reach many different people depending upon what they need in the area of hope. There are people who have been hopeless for a variety of reasons and we're human. None of us are immune to it. And so I'm just so thankful that I can bring guests to you who have possibly been in your shoes or walked where you have walked and have come out the other side with hope, not without it. I want to encourage my listeners that if any of you have a story that you would like to share that you feel other people could benefit from your story, please contact me. Thank you so much. And thank you for your continued support and your comments and reviews. It's what makes this show a success. With me today is Damien Horn. Damien writes sings, plays instruments, acts, and most importantly, serves. And I think this is what is going to come through loud and clear today as he shares his story. He is a member of Nashville's infamous Music Mafia, as well as the chart-topping country trio, The Farm. He has worked with many artists, including Big and Rich, John Legend, Faith Hill, Three Doors Down, and many others. What sets Damien apart from many other artists is his desire to not only inspire people, but to help them, including our youth, prison inmates, homeless people, and victims of human trafficking. So this is quite a large area that we're going to cover today and hearing Damien's story and also not only how he survived some pretty insurmountable circumstances, but what he's doing for his fellow man now that he's on the other side. Welcome, Damien. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Excellent. You made a statement and I really like it, and it was that even if you come from humble or dysfunctional beginnings, you don't have to stay there, and it does not have to deter you from greatness. Absolutely. So what I would like to do is let's start with your beginnings. 
and tell us about your childhood. Uh, well, I'm, I grew up in a small town of Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, I'm from a, a blended family of 12 children. And uh, um, I grew up there. It's a, it's a small town kind of known for uh, textile and furniture. My mom was a single mother. She she raised us. And uh, uh, even to this day, uh, she can't read or write. But for some reason, she always she found a way to put food on the table and clothes mm-hmm. on her backs and, and just was a, a great example of what hard work can do. And, um, uh, but at a young age, I started seeing a lot of things, uh, in, in the environment I was growing up, I grew up in the projects there. And so I, I lost two of my older brothers to the streets. One, one was murdered and, and the other was, was killed in an accident. And then I lost two of my younger brothers to prison and uh, both of them ser- served 10 plus years in prison due to, um, uh, just being a part of drug trafficking and things that was in our community. And so this was kind of what I was seeing on a day-to-day basis on either side of, uh, you know, it was either death or destruction. And, and and when you kind of see that thing all the time, you start to believe that's your only options in life. Yeah. And so it, it took me a while to try change my mindset to think uh, there was anything different in store for me. You know, this is what I was seeing happening in my family and seeing happening to people around me. So it took a minute for me to grasp that there were things beyond that, that I could possibly achieve or be a part of. And how did you? Um, well, first of all, uh, it started with, with my faith. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, attending church at a young age. My mom made sure we were always in the, in the church doors and, you know, growing up in the Bible belt is a very traditional thing to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, beyond that, it stuck, uh, in a real way with me. So my hope and my faith and my belief in God was first and foremost. And then, and second of all, music became an outlet at a very young age. I, I started writing poetry, uh, for as uh, I mean, I've been writing poetry for as long as I can remember. And I remember just being able to write down my feelings and what I thought and not being judged by those or not having any boundaries. And that gave me an outlet of uh, how to kind of get all the stuff out of my head that I was feeling and seeing and, and dealing with, you know, and uh, it, it just became a tool for me to kind of refocus my energy. Let's back up a little bit. Even though you were used to seeing, you know, a lot of these things happen in your surroundings, like you said, in the projects, how did you feel? Like, how did you deal as a young man with your brothers being murdered? Did it put you in a state of fear? Absolutely, yes. Okay. And did you use any force? Like, did you, you know, how did you cope with that? Uh, fear was it was a big part of my childhood. I remember being afraid of everything because I just felt like everything in the world was against me, you know, and I was seeing these attacks on my family, the things we were involved in, and, and that was a part of my surroundings. So I was afraid of constantly. And and one of the ways I, I was able to deal with that was, like I said, writing these things down, writing out my fears. And, and that came, um, it just became a, a natural process for me because I didn't know who I could talk to. I didn't know, you know, my mom worked constantly. You know, I was kind of at the uh, uh, mercy of my older brothers and uh, older siblings because, you know, they kind of took care of the younger siblings mm-hmm. while my mom worked. And, uh, and then they were also a part of a lot of the, the, the destruction and stuff that I was seeing. So it was, it was just kind of terrifying on all ends, but writing and, 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 and looking into the Bible and then finding moments in my life, you know, where there will be people who would come along and uh, allow different outlets, you know, the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club was a big part of that. Uh, the Salvation Army Church was a huge part of that and, and different organizations like that throughout, you know, my childhood um, gave me uh, a safe haven, kind of a refuge, a place to go where I didn't feel as out of control. 
Was there like a division in your family where there was you and possibly others that thought the same way as you did and then the other ones, like you said, you had two brothers that were imprisoned? Basically, what I'm saying, I guess, is were some good and some not so good or what was the victim, just victims of circumstances or share a little bit about that with us? I, I, I honestly feel like um, a lot of the things that I dealt with and that came across for me uh, was cultivated. You know, I just uh, I felt like God placed certain people in my life at the right time to uh, deter me from the from what I was saying and what I was uh, even myself on the, the path to heading to. And, and I feel like it's kind of the same the same thing for my brothers and sisters. You know, it was just different moments in different times, you know, so people respond differently to different situations. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I just kind of equated to that, you know, we, we, a lot of us grew up together, similar households, same household, some of us. And, um, but, uh, you know, different people respond differently. And the way I responded to that is, was because I, I knew it wasn't what I wanted for myself. I was, I was searching for that way out. I was searching for something different. And, uh, that's what I, I knew was different for me. So how did you get out? Uh, well, it, it started when um, I, I started attending the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club, and it, it was the first place that kind of gave me a place outside of uh, the neighborhood I was living in that was safe. I could go there every day after school, play basketball, do homework, and kind of just focus on things that kids would focus on and not worry about, you know. Oh, really? You had a childhood then when you were there. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I was surrounded by other kids who, you know, you know, you could even get a meal there. So, you know, things that, you know, uh, I wasn't accustomed to a lot of times at, at home or in the environment I was having at home, you know, the, the, the Boys and Girls Club gave me that kind of refuge and that safe haven. And we're like, oh, I can be a kid here. I can play pool. I can do homework and I can have fun. And I have to worry about things, you know, gunshots and, and drug hmm. deals. Things mm-hmm. like that. And so that was the first, that was kind of the first step in that. And then later on, it became the Salvation Army Church where I started attending the church. And, and, and during the summer, I was able to go to summer camps that would keep me away from home all summer long, which was, oh. another, which was another great thing for me. So I was like, I, my, my goal was to stay out of the projects and out of that environment as much as possible. And um, and these places provided those kind of things for me, but not only just provided a way out, but a positive way, because then I started becoming exposed to things that were uh, were new to me. You know, I was learning things that I wouldn't necessarily learn where I was from. And it, it started changing my thought process about life and and the possibilities out there. So what about your siblings? Did they did they go with you? to the Salvation Army Kids Club? Yes, uh, some some did and some didn't. You know, uh, by this time, some of my, you know, my older siblings had already kind of went on and, and, and had their path. And then some of the ones closer to my age would, were going to the Boys and Girls Club and then some who were younger were still kind of not in that environment. So it's, you know, it was it was a few siblings here and there who, who did actually participate in some of the same things I did as well. And are you still close to them? I am, yeah, very close to pretty much all my siblings, yeah. And, but you said there's you have two that are in prison and you lost two, so that's that's huge. Right. right. Uh, I, I lost my my one of my older brothers when I was fourteen. He was nineteen, and he was uh, killed at the rec center where we would play basketball after school, kind of in our neighborhood. And then I lost another bro- older brother a little later on, who was um, uh, killed in a car accident. Who was hit by a car. And then my two younger brothers uh, ended up uh, doing prison time just from drug trafficking and things to that nature for uh, 10 plus years apiece and who are both uh, actually out of prison now and, and doing really well. 
Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that when things like this happen, that just instilled more fear in you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of times that's, I found myself, you know, that's it kind of what was bringing out a lot of uh, negative things in me because I was always feeling this fear. The, a lot of the problems I had growing up was like anger issues and like yes. fighting and stuff like that in school. But I wasn't fighting because I, you know, it was it was out of fear. I felt like yes, you know, yes. this animal kind of backed into a corner. So everything was, uh, you know, like a challenging type thing to me. And it was almost I was so afraid I would lash out in, in that in that manner. When you work with youth, I'm assuming this is why you have a passion for this. What do you do? How are you involved? Uh, one of the biggest things I do is I, I try to tell my story. You know, I, I feel like the story that I have is similar to a lot of the uh, inner city youth I get to speak with and um, and just kind of show them the process that sometimes it takes in order to get to the other side. And, and just because you're in a certain place right now doesn't mean that's how your future has to be. And I think that's important because I it's it's one it's one way to, you know, one thing to say it to a child, but for them to actually see it and see somebody who looks like them, who's been through a similar situation, actually on the other side of that. I think there's a different kind of switch that kind of goes off. It's like, okay, this is really possible. And when you start believing in your mind the possibilities, then it, it, it makes it 10 times, you know, uh, more achievable, I feel like, in, in, in reality to, to uh, see those dreams come to fruition. Now, do you do this in group situations or is this one-on-one? Uh, a combination of both. A lot of times it starts out in group situations. I do a lot of youth retreats. Uh, I do a lot of things with the Salvation Army, with the Boys and Girls Club, with an organization called Team Challenge. And then uh, um, sometimes I, I'm able to follow up after that and do some one-on-one type stuff, you know, just kind of stay in contact with some of the youth and, you know, who have questions or who want to tell me their story or and, and things to that nature. And just, uh, you know, just give my insight and my, you know, advice on how you know, I handled those type of situations. And what kind of results have you seen that have been exciting? It's, it's, it's been amazing. You know, the first thing is, is it's always good to have, uh, to hear a young person be able to be comfortable with telling their story. Cause I think that's always a beginning of the healing mm. process. A lot of times they're afraid of the, to tell their story, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, you know, some things I haven't even touched on was, you know, from physical abuse to sexual abuse and things like that, that, um, you know, it's hard to kind of move past these things when you can't even mm. talk about them, you know. And so, uh, you know, just getting the, uh, the the youth to open up about that and discuss that. And then it also gives those who work with them the the opportunity to see a different side. Because I know, um, you know, throughout my life, there's been a, I can name names for days, you know, the you know, the P. Costas and the, the Cheryl Adamilks and the Jerry Sorrows of the world. These people mm. who even in, in spite of how. I might have been that kid at the Boys and Girls Club who got suspended for hitting another kid with a pool stick. They mm-hmm. never gave up on me. And they saw that, you know, okay, <laughs> they saw the situation that I was in and they, and, and they gave me grace and mercy in those times and, and didn't, you know, just didn't write me off as, oh, he's just this bad kid and there's no hope for him. You know, that's unconditional love, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And so as a recipient of that, then you understand how to give it back. And that's where your passion is. That's right. And- Tell us about the music. Let's start back from the beginning when you said you used music while writing poems as an escape. What was your basic message? Was it one of doom and gloom or was it like were you just sharing your story or were you finding already some avenues of hope when you in those early days when you started writing? You know, there would be occasions of just kind of expressing exactly what I'm feeling at the time, like I'm afraid and, you know, the fear and what was happening around me. But 
you know, I, I feel like even at a very young age, I've always had a sense of hope, a sense of destiny about myself. And I always knew there was something bigger for me and I wanted something bigger. I just didn't know how to get to that, mm. where I was at. You know, it's like I, I, it was the path to get to that wasn't as clear. So I just I constantly wrote about that until I saw it happening, until I started seeing these doors open up. And I was like, oh, OK, maybe this is this is how this will happen. And it allowed me to start taking steps and. And so I would just constantly write about that, you know, that journey, you know, and those poems later turn into songs and those songs I, I later started singing myself. And, and it's kind of what and that thing became the path to uh, take me out of those situations. Well, tell us about your journey in the music business, because that's not one business that's easy to break into. So you you had talent. So you had that on your side. <laughs> you could write. And I'm assuming you wrote music as well. Yes. And you could you could sing and you could play. So you had you had a, the whole package. Now, so what was your break? How did and how did you pursue that? How did you get there? Well, it, like you said, it was, it was definitely a, a journey in itself. I you know I graduated from high school when I was seventeen, and then that summer, you know, I knew I, I needed to change the environment I was in. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to go where people you know, listen to music and where it's esteemed and where that, that kind of business is uh, prevalent. And so I didn't know anything outside of North Carolina, really. So I, I saved up $400 and got a one-way bus ticket to uh, Hollywood, California. And I just hopped a, <laughs> hopped a Greyhound and went there and found out really quick that $400 does not last long <laughs> in Hollywood, California. How many this years is, ago? Oh, this is back in 1996 and 97. Okay. And so I, I get off the Greyhound bus there and I mean, within a week, the money is gone. I have nowhere to go. I don't know anybody there. So I found myself, you know, literally homeless for the next couple of years in L.A., you know, really opposed to really trying to um, get in the music business. It was all about survival. And uh, so for the next two years in L.A., I would find myself homeless, you know, and organizations like the Covenant House and the Missions and uh, Team Challenge were instrumental in kind of keeping me off the streets and uh, and providing meals and things like that for me. And so that was a really tough time for me and also a tough realization about life and how uh, it wasn't going to come as easy as I thought just because I had gotten out of the place where I was from. And so I spent about two years in L.A. and then really just saved up enough money to move back home, at least where I could be around people I knew who could help and support me. And uh, so I went back to North Carolina, which I stayed for maybe a few more years there. And I, I realized um, I still wanted to pursue music. So I packed up again in my car and moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And then that's kind of when things mm. started making a turn. For so how, what did you do when you got there? <laughs> uh, when I got to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I, I remember driving into town and, and seeing people play on the side of Second Avenue and Broadway. You, you'll see people sitting there and playing guitars and singing and people throwing money in their case. And, and they call it busking. Right. And, so, and I, I was like, OK, this is this is what I'll do. This will be my first gig. I can do that. So I would sit on the side of the street for hours and just play. And then one particular night, there's this guy who walks by with a with a big old black cowboy hat and a handlebar mustache. And he, uh, he throws a hundred dollars into my guitar case. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> needless to say that caught my attention <laughs> and, uh, you know, I pulled out all the stops and he kind of sat and listened for a little bit and he grabbed the guitar and played some music for me. And, um, he just told me, you know, he had a group of friends who he, he always created music with. They had a place called the pub of love where they would play inside. And he's like, you should come play with us. You don't have to sit out in the cold. We have oh, microphones and, and people listen to it would listen to you he thought I had talent and I didn't know who it was at the time but I later found out it was uh, John Rich from the country duo Big and Rich 
And um, so I started hanging out with those guys. And, uh, you know, before I knew it, I got my first publishing deal. And um, and I was on tour, you know, opening up with, with the Music Mafia for Hank Williams Jr. And then that's kind of how my career, you know, began to take off. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you hadn't been at that spot at that time. Right. <laughs> that's incredible. Could you believe that it happened? Like, you must have been just elated. I, I really was. I, you know, at the time, I had no idea, you know, the the journey it was going to take me on. But I know every little win like that was just, you know, instrumental and 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 was so uh, important to me for my hope growing in that, mm-hmm. for my belief growing in, like, you know, hey, I can really do this. It's really possible, and uh, and it, it, it's just it's been short, nothing short of a miracle because you know that kind of thing just doesn't happen. All now, how has your music changed now compared to then? What you're writing, what you're sharing, or is it the right. same? Well, uh, there's parts of it the same, but I think the the, the bigger message and what I I create now. You know, when I first started writing music, it was it was mostly based in my feelings. You know, like, and that's kind of what I used it for in the beginning was like, you know, this is how I feel, so I'm going to write this down. This is, you know, it was all emotional based, and not that it's not emotional based now, but mm. the the emotions have changed, you know, and so now those particular songs that were once maybe about, you know, heartbreak and, and disappointment are now songs about hope and, and perseverance, you know, and so the style has definitely become more of an inspirational type style of music. And you still basically have the same audience, so you're speaking to the hopeless. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And what's what's in the future for you as far as your music goes? What do you see? Well, I, I, I'm one of the big things I'm doing now is uh, I'm constructing a one man show which is called Shine, and which is kind of my mantra, and it, it's it's the story of my life kind of put to uh, uh, put to theater, which ha- involves acting and dancing and music and all those things that I enjoy about entertainment, but also tells the positive story, and it's kind of called Shine, a Nashville story, and it just kind of talks about my what I'm telling you here today, my my beginnings and making it to Nashville and how things turned around for me, and I because I feel like it can it can go across so many different um you know platforms of inspiring people to pursue whatever it, whether it's music whether it's being a doctor whether it's what any whatever purpose they they feel they're called to in life uh just the struggle of that and and understanding the purpose perseverance of it and and the mindset it takes to to get to those places what about um what you're doing f- you, like you mentioned some of your passions, which would be your youth. You did talk about that. What about yeah. prison inmates, homeless people, human trafficking? Touch a little bit on those. Well, at the end of the day, my, my passion is for people. I have a passion for inspiring and, and, and giving back to people because I know how how instrumental and how important it was in my life. And so uh, I've always said that, you know, music has been a gift, but it's not I wouldn't consider it my purpose or my passion. My passion and my purpose are tied in the same thing, which is giving back to people and, and inspiring people to their purpose. And so, you know, the things that I've seen in my life and been a part of in my life, uh, you know, I can now, you know, recycle those and use those when I speak in prisons. You know, I used to visit my brothers all the time in prison. So I I can speak on those kind of things, you know, homeless. I've been homeless. So I know what that's like human trafficking, you know, it's something that's close to my heart. So I, you know, I'm able to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about, I'm about bringing hope to the hopeless and, 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 and that, and whatever avenue that is in any way that I can do that. And, that's what I want to do. You have a mission. Yes. What would you like to share as far as um, maybe a call to action to encourage people to 
take the torch and run with it and do something in their own communities? Or do you do you have something that you would like to share along those lines or anything else that you would like to call listeners to do? Yes, um, my 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 mantra in, in life and what I've, I've used here a lot in these last uh, few years of my life is is the word shine. You know, I believe we're all designed and we all have a purpose. We're here by design and by purpose. And there's no greater kind of discovery in life to discover why you're here and your purpose for being here. So I'm my, my biggest goal is to always encourage people to discover that purpose. And by doing that, you discover the person who gives purpose. You know, the designer has a great design for you. So discovering those things and then shining, taking what that is and illuminating because you liberate other people to do the same thing. Anything else you want to share with the with the listeners today? I mean it's been it's been awesome hearing you share your passion and of course your story. I mean coming from extreme humble beginnings with very little hope if that's where you choose to look. But right. you didn't. You had a mother that right. um, with her, uh you were able to overcome that and overcome fear through a variety of things as you shared. Find your goal, meet your goal, and even supersede your goals, it sounds to me. So anything else you want to share about your story or a word of encouragement or possibly um, people who are dealing with youth and the issues there? Yes, I definitely when you're dealing with youth, I, I would just encourage, you know, I, I heard a great quote, I can't remember who it came from, but it says, if every person knew every person, you would never idolize anybody, nor would you look down because you would know, first of all, nobody's perfect. So would you would never put a person in, in a position of idolizing them, nor would you ever look down on them because you would know where they came from to be where they are. And I, I feel like that puts us all on the same playing field. And when you can look at people in that regard, uh, it gives you a little more mercy, a little more grace when you're dealing with uh, the youth, you know, I, like I said, it was just, uh, it was insurmountable. Um, the people who dealt with me, how important it was that they, you know, continued to not give up on me and, and extend mercy and grace uh, for me to get through that process of where I was hurting and when I was wounded and when I uh, didn't have a clue, you know. And so I just think that's important. So anytime you're dealing, whether it's youth or people in general, you know, to extend love and mercy and grace, I, I think there's no no better gift than that. As the saying goes, but for the grace of God, there go I. You know, yes. We don't know what uh, our circumstances we could have been born into. Yes, you do have a blog. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, the blog I have uh, is called Inspire, Encourage, and Motivate. And um, this blog is just kind of a landing page for good news. You know, I think a lot of times... Mm-hmm. What we have, uh, you know, you, what you see in the news and what kind of surrounds us a lot of times is so much negative stuff. And so whatever you're feeding yourself, those things kind of grow in you. That's so it's right. Just a, it's just a landing page for good stuff that's happening in the world. You know, I, like I, 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 I kind of scare away from the news because I, I don't like to see a lot of negative things all the time. And so I was like, I bet there's other people like me. So it's just mm-hmm. a, a, spot, a place where, you know, people can go and look and see all the great things that people are doing. There's a lot of people out there. Who are encouraging and inspiring and motivating people and doing good things, but it, it, sometimes it just doesn't get highlighted to the to the way that uh, negative media can be sometimes. And so that's what that blog is all about. There are many, as you said, who have a message of hope and encouragement and inspiration. And I'm glad that we met you today. 
right. And that's what you're doing. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to do too. Sure. Absolutely. Anyway, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we look forward to staying in contact with you. And we have all your your uh, social media connections and to hear more good things and more music as you come out with it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.